We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network, the world for people who think. Welcome to another Behind the Headlines show on the SOT Radio Network. I'm Joe Quinn, and my as regular co-host, uh, Neil Bradley, is with me. Hello, Joe. Hello, everyone. And we also have Harrison Keeley back with us this week. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. Uh, this week, we are interviewing Ole Damagard. Ole is an author, international speaker, former journalist, and investigator who has dedicated the last 30 years of his life to researching many of the global conspiracies. His main focus has been to find out the truth about the assassinations of the Swedish Prime Minister Olaf Palm. He's also investigated JFK, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King, John Lennon, Lady Di, terror attacks of 9-11, terror attacks in Norway, Oklahoma City, the Boston Marathon bombings, etc., etc., etc. There's a long list, obviously, we won't go into them all. Uh, Over the past 25 years, Ole has discovered links between all of these assassinations, to one extent or another, which has led him to believe that the same people were involved, at least, in both the JFK and the Olaf Palm, that's the Swedish Prime Minister murders, as well as many other major events. Uh, Olaf is the author of several books, including Coup d'etat in slow motion and Shadow of Tears. Coup d'etat in slow motion is a book that fo- focuses on the assassination of the Swedish Prime Minister Olaf Palm, who was gunned down in February 1986. So welcome to the show, Olaf. Sorry, you, Ole. Ole, Ole, Ole. Ole. It's great to have you. Um, we, I suppose the first... I mean, you're, you're, we mentioned Olaf Palm, the, this, the Swedish Prime Minister who was uh, assassinated in 1986, and the book uh, that I mentioned, um, Coup d'etat in slow motion, deals with that, but with other topics uh, as well. But you're also at the minute writing a book specifically on that assassination of Olaf Palm. Um, um, yeah, that is true. It's uh, The thing is, once you start digging into this, really, really digging into these assassinations, then over the years, uh, more and more links brings them together. I mean, when I started out, uh, I had absolutely no idea that so many of these awful events were connected in any way or form. It's only over all of these years and and since I really dedicated my life to truth uh, that I've managed to find them and then like pulling them together like a long string of, I wouldn't call them pearls, but uh, connecting the dots, which has been absolutely astounding and also terrifying at times because uh, once you see the power behind them and how they're carried out, it, it's quite uh, scary. At the same time, I feel uh, the more I find out that uh, the, the power behind so much of the mayhem that is going on in the world is is planned and and uh, I wouldn't say carried out, but ordered by a very, very small so-called elite group, uh, I think that is really good news because then instead of us being living in a totally crazy world filled with terrorists and violence and unjust wars, once you start seeing that it's actually a very, very 
small group that is behind this, but behind the curtains, pulling the strings, that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, um, when you when you talk about uh, a link between, uh, for example, the murder of Olaf Palm, the Swedish Prime Minister, and JFK, I mean, and you talk about a, uh, this small group of people, I mean, I'm assuming you don't have any names, right? so I'm not going to ask you for names. But I totally have names. I only talk, yeah, God, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't speculate. I, I go to straight to the point. I name names. I, I publish photos. Uh, otherwise, w- what is it worth? Everybody can have an opinion or, or, or theory. I don't go into conspiracy theories. I go for conspiracy facts. As far as I can judge it, because I try to double, triple check it from different sources and so on. And, of course, there is some speculation, but when you start putting together the jigsaw pieces and they fit perfectly, then it's where you start, uh, at least I start to to put forward it as uh, a theory, but based on facts. Sometimes theories, but most of the time I I do everything I can to build it on facts. And then when it is a theory, I say it's a theory. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good way to go about it. I mean, that's... that's, uh shows a lot of integrity and uh, responsibility uh, because there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, just throwing around ideas without really backing them up, you know. Um, but, I mean, just on, on who these people are, obviously people who are involved in the JFK assassination are probably, you know, these days they're, they're, they're either dead or they're getting on in, eight, in, in years. Um, yeah. So, I mean, who, who are these people? Are these people Americans, for example? It's uh, if we talk to, take the JFK assassination. It was uh, uh, the the team that carried it out. I mean, it is always like this. The order comes from way, way up high in the power pyramid, uh, and the order goes down through the different layers, so that it's absolutely uh, covered in fog and and very, very hard to prove connections up there. So the people that carry carry these uh, assassinations and terror acts, when the ones that carry them out, have absolutely no idea where the order came from, uh, why they're even killing that person or blowing up that building or whatever. It's just they do a job. They're skilled mechanics. They do it. They're ordered to do it. They're well paid. That's it. Boom. So what I've tried to do is focus on the street level, identify the mechanics, who carried it out, and then slowly, slowly get up, higher and higher up, trying to connect the dots. And what I found is that uh, uh, there there was a team put together, a top-secret team of uh, top assassins in the early, late 50s, early 1960s. It was, uh, it was actually Vice President Nick, Richard Nixon that was given the task from uh, President Dwight Eisenhower, that to put together this ultra-secret team of assassins that could be used globally to knock out whoever they had problems with, would it be in business or competitors or politicians or presidents in foreign countries, whatever, whoever they had a problem with, they needed someone to knock them off the, the, the ladder. And so they, they gave this task to Richard Nixon. He then contacted some gray wolves in the CIA these people were Ted Shackley, uh, E. Howard Hunt, and um, um, David Atlee Phillips. These three were the ones that were in charge of this. And all three had been part of several 
uh, top assassinations over the years. They had been part of the behind coups in Guatemala, other countries like that. They were part of uh, the Iran uh, overtake where they knocked out uh, Mossadegh and put the Shah in, in position and so on. So these, uh, they were very skilled, these, uh, these guys. And what they did was they went down to Miami and they started recruiting mostly exiled Cubans that had just fled from Cuba. And so uh, the people they recruited were former military people, police officers uh, uh, from the Air Force, and bodyguards, and, and so on, violent people, dis disciplined but very violent. And uh, they then got this team together. They, they named them Operation 40 or Group 40. And they were then trained in the Everglades in Miami. They were trained in uh, north of Lake Pontchartrain in Louisiana and down in Guatemala as well. And uh, they were trained in everything from, you know, blowing people up with bazookas, bombs, uh, poison, shooting, you name it. Anything that could kill someone, they trained them in it. And to start with, there were about 80 people where 20 of them were assassins. The other ones were there as enforcers or, or to freak people out or beat them up or intimidate them or part of the with propaganda and so on. But this team uh, was first aimed at Fidel Castro. But then uh, after the Bay of Pigs uh, failure, when suddenly everybody was blaming Kennedy for this, this cannon was aimed at him instead. So many of the shooters in Dili Plaza that day were members of Operation 40, which I had absolutely no idea about until many, many years down the road when I started seeing the same names uh, appearing again and again and again in different areas. And then uh, somehow I'm not really sure what it was that put me on the track to this operation. And this group, uh, or Operation 40, it's been called the grandmother of operations. It's sort of the template that has then been used. And these people, even though they've uh, changed the names of the groups and the, uh, for each and every operation, it is still the same members that have been extremely central in the JFK assassination. I can name them if you want. The Robert Kennedy assassination, Martin Luther King assassination, the murder of John Lennon, the murder of Che Guevara, the overtake of Salvador Allende, 73, in, in uh, Chile. Uh, they were once blowing up uh, Orlando Letier in, in, at the uh, Embassy Row in Washington, D.C. They were part of the, uh, the team that took out Olaf Palme in Stockholm, 1986. They killed Robert Smith in South Africa, and so on, so on, so on. They were also... Uh, part of the, doing the attack on, on Bob Marley. And so they've been very, very central. So this has, uh, when I started seeing how extremely important these individuals have been over the years, I've, I've put a main focus on them. And I also found that they're, uh, they were very central in Operation Phoenix in Vietnam, which was an extension program where they killed some 20,000 people. They were also very, very central in uh, educating people in Chile and other Latin American countries in torture, uh, assassinations, uh, whatever, awful things, awful things. And uh, they were also 
totally central in, in the Iran-Contra scandal where weapons were uh, smuggled out and flown in military planes, medevac planes and so on, out from uh, especially Louisiana, Arkansas, and then down south to countries like Nicaragua, El Salvador, Honduras, where they armed the Contra's army. And then uh, going back they, to the States, they filled these planes with coolers uh, containing raw cocaine. And uh, this was then um, imported, sort of illegally imported into the States. And they are uh, being part of creating the whole crack epidemic in the States. Mm-hmm. And one thing I have not told you yet is that the, the guy who was in charge of the finances for this group was a man by the name of Her, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. That's George Bush Sr. as a young man. So he was the guy uh, funneling the funds into these, this uh, assassination group. And he has been using this group and had, him by, had them by his side his whole career all the way up until today. Hmm. And I'm, I'm a personal friend of Chip Tatum, who was one of the pilots in Iran-Contras uh, scandal, who was also a deep cover agent, uh, CIA, for 25 years. He was a black op assassin. He was uh, one of the pilots, you know, the, uh, the Night Stalker pilots, these black helicopters. He was also the commander of an ultra-secret hit team called Pegasus that was under the direct control of George Bush Sr. And so he's, been, he's uh, carried out some 17 assassinations globally under being ordered by George Bush Sr. And uh, today he's become a whistleblower. I'm, I'm a good friend of his. My website is on his server and so on and so forth. And so I've, I've got a lot of information from him as well about this group because he knew them all. He's been working with all the presidents from Nixon towards uh, all the way up until George Bush Senior. Mm. On a on a personal level, he's been flying them around everywhere and so on. Mm. Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, that Operation Forty. Uh, it's an official um, uh, CIA official in the sense that it's publicly known. I mean, it's on Wikipedia, so you can. Uh, you can look it up on, on, on Wikipedia, although it officially, at least as far as Wikipedia says, it was only uh, the, oper- the undercover operation called Operation 40 was um, only for the purpose of uh, kind of overthrowing um, or seizing control of the Cuban government. Uh, it is. They have pigs, but there's nothing more on it. But you're saying that these, it makes sense that a group like that would not have just stopped what it was doing in terms of overthrowing a foreign government and killing people, etc. They wouldn't have, wouldn't have just stopped after uh, after the Bay of Pigs or, or just limited themselves to Cuba. Listen, Joe, I would, uh, without uh, boosting my ego too much, I would take a lot of credit for this group being publicly known today. Oh, yeah. I've done hundreds of interviews about this over the years and... Uh, and when I looked into it to start, when, when I found out, there were a few uh, that had sort of spotted this group as well, but this was uh, top secret info. And, uh, but since they're so central in so many, I've, I've done everything I can to get it out there. And this Wikipedia, of course, afterwards, I mean, Wikipedia is not something I would trust very much. No. And uh, it's come up there. After that, they've, in the gaming industry, they come up with, with Operation 40 and these type of things also. Some of the assassins that uh, I and other pointed out that were part of the Ola Palma assassination, they turn up in video games as well, you know, in um, 
what's the call of duty and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like there there is some force behind these things trying to take the edge of the real truth and and put it so that if somebody says Operation Forty or or Michael Vernon Townley, another assassin or something like that, that oh you you played too many video games, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. it's, even, uh, even conspiracies are mass marketed these days. For sure, for sure. Yeah, well, the, the people who are named as part of this operation, like you mentioned, David Atley Phillips and uh, E. Howard Hunt and another guy, Frank uh, Sturgis, I think. Frank Sturgis, yeah. yeah. I mean, these are all names from the JFK assassination as well. Yeah, so, big I mean, time. It's not, uh, it's not a conspiracy to say that um, this obviously goes deeper than, than just uh, Cuba, you know? God, no. It's like Frank Sturgis, for instance. He was one of the Watergate burglars. Mm -hmm. And the Watergate burglary was there because Nixon was freaking out that it was that evidence would surface that would connect him to the JFK assassination. So all the ones except for James McCord uh, of the Watergate burglars were part of Operation 40 and they were there to clean it up. But uh, with the Watergate burglary there was another layer to it because there was actually George Bush that was behind it to uh, get Nixon off the off the chair as president, so he could take over. Mm. But that that's another story. But Frank Sturgis, for instance, he was also uh, involved in the killing of the uh, Portuguese uh, prime minister and defense minister in 1980. Here, so these guys have been moving on. I tell you. Yeah. So Ole, um, in regards to the Swedish prime minister, I think um, like I don't know much about him, and I think probably a lot of our listeners wouldn't uh it just seems to be a part of the like american or western mentality to kind of ignore a lot of events that go on outside of north america or you know france or germany or the uk so could you give sure, us a bit, sure. of a bit of background on who he was what he was doing and then maybe make the connection to the the names that uh that you found connected to jfk assassination it is an extremely complex assassination, very, very multi-layered. And uh, I did like an, uh, an almost nine hours on Red Eye's creations uh, just to put, take this one apart in layer after layer to actually show in the end what I believe happened because that is totally incredible. Uh, he was a very multi-faced individual you you have the official story that people believe in Sweden and so on that he was the defender of the weak and poor and uh, that he was a totally good guy you know always looking out for for the poor countries the weak countries like Cuba uh, Palestine uh, Nicaragua these countries but at the same time he was a member of the Bilderberg group he was a member of the uh, committee of 300 he was uh, really working for the elite at the same time where he was a, a, a big player. So I would describe him very much as a tro Trojan horse, uh, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. they used him to get access to these countries like Cuba, Nicaragua, Palestine and so on. Because what they did was when he was uh, more or less totally unknown in the 70s, he had uh, grown up, he was very much involved in military intelligence and so on before before he got into politics and he came from a right-wing family then overnight he suddenly became social democrat which is left 
uh, and they say that it was because he he hitchhiked in the southern states of, of the U.S. and saw the poverty there. So he totally, totally changed personality. I would say absolutely not true. But what they did was they hijacked the Social Democrat Party. And then uh, in 72, I think it was, when the whole of... Western world were, were sort of on their knees uh, just uh, worshipping the U.S. and, and Israel. Uh, he suddenly stood up uh, next to the Vietnamese uh, ambassador walking in a, in a demonstration showing his support against the U.S., which was just a shock. It was internationally recognized as, as a total shock. You know, he was the first one that ever dared to stand up. But the thing was, it's come out later that he did it to gain um, the confidence from these other ones. They saw him, oh my God, finally somebody we can, we can trust, somebody that, that is standing up for us. So after that, he did several of these stunts where he stood up and then afterwards, in, you can read memoirs of other people who work with him, he, he did these stunts in media and then he ran straight back to the people, the bankers and so on, and said, listen guys, don't worry, don't worry, this is only a, only a charade, but it's part of the plan. So calm down, we're just going to follow the plan, but I need to do these things. Hmm. So he did that, and afterwards, he was then invited, you know, he was uh, Fidel Castro's guest, he was down in, in Nicaragua, he was uh, uh, the friend of PLO, he was the friend of the Kurdish uh, uh, resistance movement and so on, which got him access to these countries and also the global elite got access. They, they were a total double agent, you know, so they infiltrated their way into it exactly like a Trojan horse. Hmm. But so, then, oh, sorry? Yeah, I was going to ask then, but then, unless, unless I'm skipping ahead, but who killed him or why was he killed? <laughs> <laughs> you totally skipped ahead. All right, go ahead. Forget because the question. Go ahead. Uh, but I'm going to go straight to what I really believe happened because you got the official story that he was uh, gunned down by a lone crazy guy. <laughs> Sounds very familiar, I would say. Uh -huh. And absolutely not true. I, I identify all the people that were part of the team that killed him. It was carried out with military uh, precision, uh, a group put together from the stay behind Gladio Network people from different countries, different groups and so on, with no apparent uh, connections. It was people from West Germany. Um, you had one from the States. You had uh, several agents from South Africa, two Germans, one Norwegian, and backup, local backup in Sweden. So, um, But the whole thing was that in the fall of 1985, uh, that was like six months before, some six, seven months before his death, he found out, if what I've been able to find out is true, I've, I've spent so many years and risking my life many times to, to get to this uh, level of truth, I believe that he found himself with HIV. That he, This was just when AIDS was like the massive, most feared disease in the world, mm -hmm. and it was labeled gay, pla uh, gay cancer or gay plague, and he had been part of uh, being part of some of these um, elite sex parties, you know, that now it's coming up to the surface more and more 
on an international basis in England, uh, you know it, mm-hmm. uh, these pedophile gangs and so on on a very high level. He was part of that as well. And somewhere down the line, he got infected. So they had a very small uh, emergency meeting because uh, when that became known to his uh, his advisors and so on, they found themselves in a situation where two options. Either he would forever be the name connected with this shameful disease, his whole life work would go to smithereens, his family would be uh, you know, dishonored and, and uh, all of that. The Social Democrat Party would go straight down down the, uh, the line, everything that he had worked for would be destroyed. Option one. Option two. We, uh, them, I mean, carry out an assassination of him because when you look at how legends are created, I mean like JFK, the second the bullet entered his skull, he became a legend. Somebody an untouchable. He will forever have his his name in neon lights. Marilyn Monroe, Saint Martin Luther King, uh, Mahatma Gandhi. When they get killed, Lady Di, they become a, a martyr. They're bigger than life. A, a legend that will forever be praised like this. So his his advisor says, "Why don't we do it like this? We stage an assassination." not a real event. We stage one so that we we set the whole thing up as a real assassination. But instead of you being killed, we kill a double. When the, At the same time as he's being killed, you're taken out of the country in a private jet, flown down to the south of, of Europe, where you will then spend uh, the rest of your life in luxury in one of these castles owned by by the elite, you will get the best treatment, your family can come and visit you at any time, you will get like a plastic operation and uh, so people won't really recognize you so you can walk more or less free and so on. And then that's it. So this decision was taken like some six months before, but what they knew was that if this ever came out, it would be a scandal that would just a global scandal that would hit Sweden very bad. So they needed to make it look real. So what they did was that they sent they put out a contract on his name. The people that accepted the contract did not know that it was an inside contract. So they had a real hit team that came to Sweden. The whole thing, the whole murder assassination was planned by a South African colonel called Craig Williamson. Uh, and they were train, uh, training and uh, planning the whole thing uh, just west of uh, Johannesburg at a little farm called Daisy Farm. It, it was just like in Mission Impossible, you know, the way when, when they sit and go through all the photos and the files and, oh, this guy's good for that, this guy's, you know, and then the message will be destroyed in five seconds, that type of thing that uh, Craig Williamson put together the hit team. And then they came to Sweden with backup from lo- uh, local right-wing police officers and security people from the Stay Behind uh, Gladio network in Sweden and so on. But the whole thing was that there was one key person. His name was Carl Gustav Östling. He was like a, he was a right-wing police officer, very high up in Swedish police. And his task was to exchange the ammo uh, 
supply them with weapons, make sure that they could practice and so on with these weapons, that everything was okay. But when the hit, when they got close to the hit, he was uh, he would exchange the ammo uh, for blanks instead of real ammo. But so that the people involved in the killing, they believed that they actually murdered someone, which they didn't. Mm-hmm. But, but if you can, I can I take this uh, just a few minutes more because mm-hmm. it's, it's, sure. there's even another layer to it. Because what happened then was that when they planned for his assassination, what they needed for him to do was, if he was supposed to become a legend, he needed to clean up his act. You know, he needed to get out. He was in, involved in different illegal weapon uh, smuggle activities on a very high level. Uh, and involved in many other things that was uh, very smelly. So what he started doing was behaving very, very strange to the elite, the ones that he he had been loyal to over all of these years, because suddenly he started to destroy a lot of evidence. He stopped uh, the delivery of of, um, uh, gunpowder deliveries for the Iran-Iraq war, uh, missiles, He uh, like um, Oliver North, uh, one close associate, that you know, Oliver North from the Iran-Contra uh-huh. scandal, very closely uh, associated with George Bush Sr. When they started seeing what he was doing, and also they stopped one uh, one uh, delivery of Stinger missiles, uh, totally contrary to what Bush and, and uh, Oliver North and he had agreed upon. So Oliver North went to Stockholm saying, what the hell is going on? And Olaf Palme more or less gave him the finger, you know, bugger off, you horrible person, go home, mm-hmm. which made some people very, very, very upset. And it just kept on like that. He, he In many different areas, he was uh, doing very, very strange actions because he was trying to clean his act up, but nobody knew about it. So they thought that he was gone. he had gone totally mad. So there was a series of meetings in Wiltshire in England <coughs> where people from Stay Behind, NATO, top people from NATO, there were some top businessmen <coughs> and other people from the elite that met up there without knowing that there was already a contract on his name. So they decided we need to take this mad guy out. And so they decided to put their own team to kill him. But while that was on the way, <coughs> the NATO team, if you call that the NATO team, discovered that there's already an operation, an ongoing uh, murder assassination or, or assignment going on. So what they decided was, let's do it like this. We'll just become like a shadow, follow the other hit team, and then in the, in the last minute, if they don't uh, carry it out efficiently, we'll just and, you know, do it the right way, kill the guy, and then blame it on the the other team. Mm. And this is what happened this day, but there's so many more things to it, because he actually survived. It was a double that was killed there. Uh, a what was killed? It was a double. It was not Ola Palme himself that died there. Okay. In 1986. He died several years later. I think around 1996, as far as I've been able to find out. And I really, I, I have some leads saying that he died in Toronto, in Canada, at a hospital there, from oh. AIDS. 
So it, it, it just goes on and on and on. My, my book is uh, it's almost a thousand pages where it's not my opinion. I, I just put this massive jigsaw puzzle together so that each and everyone can make up their own opinion. It, it sounds very... Uh yeah, a very convoluted kind of scenario there. Um, oh, it's it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. But the so the bottom line you're saying is that Olaf Palm was not uh, killed on that um, on that day in 1986. Um, a, a man was killed there, but it was not Olaf Palm. Right. Um, and I tell you, uh, I am trying to get uh, the find a way to get the the uh, the grave x-rayed to see if there's actually a body down there because I can almost give you my right arm that that uh, grave is empty. Hmm. It, it's a massive scandal if that turns out to be true. I see. And yeah. the, people, the people right after the assassination that was put there to investigate it, it's always when you have these kind of black ops that the investigation is part of the crime and their only task is to cover the whole thing up uh-huh. Blame everything on a lone crazy guy and then cover it up, cover it up, cover it up. And the leader for this uh, investigation, he said right after it happened, if the real truth ever comes up to the surface, it will shake Sweden in its foundations. Hmm. What would shake a country, a nation in its foundation? That a drug addict uh, killed the prime minister because he mistook him for his drug dealer? that a group of the right extremists, the police officer, killed him. No, it needs to be a very big thing, and I truly believe that I'm right on, on the spot when it comes to this. Hmm. And more, I've been contacted by insiders that was around Ola Palma that has confirmed several times that I'm spot on, right on track. Hmm. But many people have died around this, you know, witnesses, people involved, the... the, or, the pathologist and his uh, <clears throat> his wife both committed suicide the same day. There's a whole long line of, of dead bodies following this assassination, yeah. including two of my friends, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, and you think two of your friends were were killed for investigating the, the assassination? I, thought, I, I know they weren't. That, that is a very tragic fact. Were they... Were I, they, were they sh- I mean, were they shot or how, how did they die? No. No, no. Uh, one of them was uh, one of them was uh, he was standing in a subway and somebody uh, bashed his uh, his skull in, and the other one died from a very very aggressive cancer. He was totally fine, and then uh, he went for a health checkup, came back within one week. He had a cancer, brain cancer that just spread like uh, a prayer, like a grass fire, mm-hmm. and uh, a very high-ranking police uh, commissioner. He labeled both of these uh, two uh, murders. Mm-hmm. So it's not me who put forward that it, they were murdered. This is a very high up, uh, high ranking police commissioner. Really? I mean, he put it, he officially said that? God, yeah. Yeah. Cause and it, it, in my book, I've got the autopsy protocols and, and where you can also see the wording in where my friend Ingvar Heimer, uh, the, the way his, uh, his uh, head wounds are described. It is absolutely not uh, the way they would describe if you fall and, and mm-hmm. bash your head into the pavement. Mm-hmm. It is where outer um, force 
with a, with a heavy object has been inflicted on the skull, exactly how you describe mm-hmm. when somebody is is killed like that. It's hard to imagine though someone uh, someone in an officialdom going on record and saying that cancer was actually uh, you know an assassination. No, oh, it's standard. It's standard procedure with so many. I mean, and this. Uh, this uh, police officer I talked about, he he was very he devoted his life to exposing what go- went on, uh-huh. and he he died he di- he didn't die violently, but he did. His career was totally uh, smashed and bashed. He was uh, ridiculed. He was uh, hmm. that that's the way it goes when you I mean, you go too close to the truth in these uh, cases, you burn yourself. You know, you have to step very careful. Yeah. I mean, I personally allow for the fact that, um, you know, this kind of elite, so-called elite, have all sorts of toys that they can use to uh, to take people out in, in ways that appear to be, you know, natural causes. Um, what, what it's very simple. Killing people is so simple. Mm. Yeah. Just getting back to, to Olaf Palm, just to kind of, again, I'm kind of jumping ahead and stuff, but maybe we, won't, we don't want to go into it in too much detail because we want to talk about other things. Yeah. But yeah. Olaf Palm... Um, he had pissed off the Americans, let's say, uh, around Oliver North and the Iran-Contra thing, and they did want to actually uh, kill him. They did want to assassinate him, right? Yeah, there were many people that wanted him dead. Right. And not, But you're saying not necessarily because he was a humanitarian do-gooder. He was not. This is the thing. He was not. He was playing a humanitarian do-gooder. He, he was not. He was playing. It was an act. And the thing was that he was working for the so-called elite. I call them the minority because they're really so few that they've named themselves the elite, which is uh, uh-huh. a bit of a joke, I think, uh, because it should be the other way around. They're very, very dark. Uh, as When you look at the agenda, it's extremely dark. But uh, people like Olaf Palme were part of it. But this is the thing. When, when somebody's taken out on that level, either... It is because here is someone who is standing up for for the truth, which is they fear, they really fear the truth mm-hmm. behind many things, or peace. Mm-hmm. If they, if you want peace and you're trying to accomplish what most of us want, a beautiful world in harmony with no wars and so, if you're someone with a voice that is strong enough to be heard by millions, they take you out mm-hmm. because they they see they. They then see you as a as a major threat, and this is what happened with Lennon and and Bob Marley and other people like that. Lady Di, mm. and so on. Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, many many people have been taken out like that. Or you're one of them, but you suddenly uh, start behaving as a whistleblower or a mm. traitor, or you become unreliable, and then they take you out. Different things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, go ahead, Arjun. Well, speaking of of those other individuals, because um, you've just described Olaf Palm as being kind of a um, a wolf in sheep's clothing, but um, totally. but the it seems that the other individuals that you've mentioned are uh, kind of the total opposite. They that they well, and that's at least the the public perception is that they were taking out um, because they were that voice of, of change or good and um, but uh, well one one of the individuals that you mentioned earlier that I'm interested about is uh, Marilyn Monroe but also Lady Di um, mm. 
I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about maybe the Marilyn Monroe and how that ties into this uh, this whole picture. Marilyn Monroe is a really tricky one because it gets very complex in the in the end of the whole thing. She was, uh, I mean, she was the goddess at the time, like a sex icon and and goddess. And she got him herself involved through Hollywood uh, with people in the mob uh, at the level of uh, uh, presidents and so on. But at that level also she was being used. You know, many uh, foreign guests, foreign presidents, you know, from Indonesia and other people were giving her like a, a welcome gift, you know. So they they had sex with her and, and so on. And, and also the mob Many of them were using her, but the the one that she fell in love with uh, was uh, JFK, and then to to later on Robert Kennedy. And there's quite a lot that uh, that is pointing towards her being pregnant with the child of uh, JFK. At that time, when when this started uh, becoming up to the surface. At the same, he he turned his back to her and demanded that she be, she aborted that she had an abortion, which she refused, and she he um, he turned his back like I said, and Robert Kennedy came to her aid, trying also to to calm her down because she was getting more and more uh, what do you call it like reckless. She was uh, speaking too much. She was. She had this diary with lots of details about a lot of very, very sensitive things that she couldn't, she was not supposed to know of or talk about. But she was in a position suddenly where she was uh, trying to blackmail her way back to JFK and so on. And it, it, she just got out on a very, very thin ice there. And in the end, the way she was uh, murdered, it, it is. Uh, it will it will take a whole show to describe what was actually going on that night, but there were several different layers of this as well. The well, the tragic thing was that she was yet another victim in this uh, in this uh, chess game, where the players are on a very high level globally, and they're just using people right, left, and center. And when there's no more use for them, they kill them or they uh, they. Uh, kill them and then blame the murder on someone else. And here, that was exactly what happened also, as far as I've been able to find out, was that the the, the murder itself was was ordered by Sam Giancana in, uh-huh. in Chicago, the mobster there. And he sent uh, four people, one of them being Chuck Nicoletti, Chuck Nicoletti, who was also one of the shooters in Dealey Plaza. He was the shooter in the so-called Daltex building. Uh, these people were sent, uh, they were driven by James Files to the airport. James Files, another, he's the shooter behind the picket fence in, uh, uh, in the JFK assassination. This was one year before the JFK assassination, so it was, it was just the groups of the same people that were being used uh, more than once. And uh, it, it is a very complex story. I, I prefer not to go into it. If you want to, we can do a show just about that, but... but uh, yeah. Then, no. then just I can just mention Lady Di. I would say one of the major reasons why she was taken out was because she started uh, a campaign, a campaign against landmines, mm-hmm. and landmines is a key thing in the global 
so-called elite's agenda. They use them to, when they invade a country, um, many times when they're invading con a country, it's either for minerals, oils, diamonds, these type of things, or poppy fields or some, or it's for the strategic uh, position of that country so that they they use it for, you know, like where they can have secret uh, um, landing uh, strips and so on for to, for refueling planes and so on. But what they do, they use the landmines, for instance, if they in so-called invade a country, then they, they use the landmines to just put thousands and thousands of landmines in the area to scare the normal population away. I mean, they even disguise them as toys and, and these things so that kids will pick them up and be blown away to scare the population away, away, away. And once they're out of the way, and it will take like hundreds of years to clean this area, they know that they can carry out whatever they want without being interfered with. So when, when Lady Diana, when she started focusing on landmines, this was a major threat to their agenda. And I would say one of the major reasons why she was taken out. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think the potential, we didn't see the potential of Lady Diana, but we obviously saw what she had in potential, um, which was uh, concern and an empathy for, you know, people who are suffering around the world, in particular people who are suffering from war, etc. And we can only imagine with her status what, where she would have gone uh, in terms of um, bringing awareness to that and getting the people behind her and putting pressure on this so-called elite in that way. Uh, so I think they kind of just profiled her as this is someone who we do Muslim, not want. Having a Muslim boyfriend. And having a Muslim boyfriend as well. Yeah, you can imagine the, the kind of... Uh, also, she knew so many secrets about the English royal family. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're in so much dark stuff there. I mean, they're so involved in so much. And But many of these people, like JFK and, and uh, Lady Di, the reason why they're taken out, I would suggest also John Lennon, is because of their status, the popularity. Mm -hmm. Because if you or I say, go left or go right, I mean, who would care? Mm -hmm. But when they, I mean, Lady Diana, she was worshipped by millions and millions and millions and millions of people that these people could not, otherwise not reach, you know, like ordinary housewives and so on. But when she said some, something, they listened, mm -hmm. you know, and here she was suddenly putting the spotlight right on one of these major, major tools for their agenda, and that freaked them out. Mm -hmm. Oli, your description of there being two plans with respect to Palmy's yeah. assassination or not reminded me of a theory about the same for JFK. Yeah. That it, the idea, one idea initially was to scare him or create, scare the public. No, this, I, I tell you many times when, when uh, top assassinations are carried out, it is by design that several different plans are going on at the same time right. to create confusion. Mm -hmm. The people involved in these different teams are not aware of the other ones. And so, for instance, when someone like me comes to a crime scene, it is so confusing. It's just pointing in all different directions. This is done by design. And with the JFK, there was at least two different operations going on. One hit team, but another abort uh, operation that was trying to stop the assassination. And this was actually 
initiated by uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. He was he was trying to stop the assassination, and they were flying in a team, uh, uh, other uh, forces within the CIA who was not in on this assassination flew in a team. Um, uh, uh, Tosh Plumley was the the pilot. He was from Operation Forty. He was flying in some of the people in this abort uh, operation, but they failed. Hmm. Uh, and you can see some of the shooters, for instance, there is, um, uh, when you look at it, there is under, uh, there were several different shooters on, in the manholes surrounding Dealey Plaza. Uh, where, you know, these, I think they're called manholes with like a lid on uh-huh. going down yeah. to the sewage. And there's, for instance, there's one bullet that hits right next to one of these manholes. I mean, we're talking centimeters. That shot, when you look at the direction, it's fired right up from one of the buildings next to the Daltex building. I believe, uh, because also Tosh Plumlee has said they had uh, a team of, I think, I believe there were about 10 people involved in trying to stop the whole thing. And their task was to eliminate the shooters. And uh, that shot was fired up from up there, trying to hit one of the shooters in the manhole. That or one of these shooters was so awful at shooting because it's sort of like, at least a meter off the uh, two meters away from the limo in a in a so that shot on its own is uh, also showing this second operation going on yeah it seems pretty clear that oswald was involved to some extent in something uh, but as he himself said and it's on the taped uh, kind of recordings of when he was being when he was in the dallas uh, prison and he got a few words out to the press who were trying to talk to him he at one point he sh- he shouted uh, I didn't kill anyone. Just I'm just a patsy, you know. So he was aware at that point, after the fact of his role. But and I mean, it all made sense to him at that point. But it suggests that he was involved in something, and what he didn't know was that he was being set up. No, but he was very aware of that. I can tell you the whole story if you want. I'm I'm also a personal friend of his girlfriend uh, Judy Barry oh, yeah? Baker. What actually happened is that we have several different things going on, and. Judith Barry Baker, she was, she was 19, she was the most intelligent, uh, she had the highest IQ in Florida, and she was doing private research on cancer because her aunt had died. And uh, it turned out that in her school lab, she managed to get uh, the fastest growing cancer uh, in the U.S. She was trying to make it grow fast to find out what was activating the cancer cell to grow like that to find a cure, but instead, when the CIA uh, got uh, notice of her, they thought, let's recruit her, because they were trying to be, uh, create a bioweapon that could be used against can, uh, Fidel Castro at that time. Mm-hmm. We're talking the, the spring of 63. So she was given a job in New Orleans, uh, or offered a job there. She went there, and in a post office in New Orleans, she bumped into a young guy, a handsome young guy, by the name of Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald was then involved in this whole project, and Judith was not aware of that. There was not by coincidence that they bumped together. He, he bumped into her and became her controller and got her in touch with people like David Ferry. He's the guy with the, if you've seen the JFK movie, with the, with the red wig, uh, who was not involved in the assassination itself, uh, contrary to what the film suggests. But 
It was the Dave Ferry, Dr. Mary Sherman. Uh, there were several different other uh, very high up scientists who were working on trying to create a bioweapon, a very, very fast-growing cancer that could kill someone in less than 30 days. And uh, Judith was very active in this whole thing. They were doing it in this different... Was, they, this sorry? Was, this was from... Um, they were trying to do this based on uh, a monkey virus, right? This is the Dr. Mary's monkey book. Spot on, spot on. It's but a, also... Also, Judith, also, Judith has written several books about it. Mm-hmm. One is called Me and Lee, mm-hmm. and the other one is called Dave Ferry. And I, I met her, and uh, I, I would think she's one of the most important witnesses in the world today, also one of the bravest. She's just a small little lady, I mean, beautiful human. And uh, the, in just a few weeks, I'm going to have the honor uh, of... Uh, interviewing her at the Open Mind Conference in Copenhagen. I managed to get her invited there. So we're going to do like a, uh, an interview in the sofa. We're going to talk a lot about these things. Cool. Because what what happened, if it's okay if I just go into some details mm, about Sure. What, they they uh, worked very hard on creating this uh, uh, bioweapon against Fidel Castro. At the same time, Lee... Lee was the one that was supposed to deliver it, to get it to Cuba, because they needed to get this living organism, these living cancer cells, into the body of Fidel Castro somehow. So uh, also what they, what they found out was that uh, um, this was a, a, a cancer that when you exposed it to radiology, uh, you know, these X-ray uh, uh-huh. rays, they, it's, it exploded almost. It, it amplified the growth of it. Mm-hmm. So, and at that time, radiographic was the way to treat cancer. Mm-hmm. So, th- the whole idea was that to get the cancer cells in the body of, of Fidel Castro through his cigars or food or whatever, and then when he started having the symptoms of cancer, they would then do use the X-ray or the radiology to to cure him, but that would instead slowly kill him. Mm-hmm. So it was a very sinister plan. But to get to Cuba with that, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald needed to uh, look like a pro-Castro supporter. So this is why he's walking around in Louisiana uh, giving out leaflets, you know, support, uh, mm-hmm. fair play for Cuba, these things, to become so that the Cuban embassy in New Mexico would accept him and give him a visa so he could transport it there. And that's why that's why Oswald was sheep-dipped over into into Russia and got himself a Russian bride and stuff, and he was brought back in no, that was, with, with no that, problem that, whatsoever. That was before. That yeah. was uh, several years before. But as part but, of creating a profile for him that made him look like someone who could get into Cuba, Cuba was, you know, pro-Castro, basically. They, they were using... There were so many different operations going on, and then suddenly when... JFK became uh, became the victim or, or was the the target. Then people like uh, David Atlee Phillips, who was Lee Harvey Oswald's controller as well, uh, finally thought together with Guy Bannister, why don't we use uh, Oswald? We can totally control him. He's got the perfect background. We can blame him. We can paint him totally black in the eyes of. of so they set him up. So, but Lee Oswald was aware of it from uh, the end of July. He was aware that he was being set up for this because he was getting more and more involved with people that was being prepared for the assassination. And when he discovered that, 
he, together with Judith Baker, did everything they could to stop the assassination. And this is why this FBI telex goes out uh, warning about the assassination. He managed to stop it in Chicago. Uh, there was, it was also stopped in Miami. And then in, in Dallas, he was doing it. He, he was trying to. He said, even if I if I had to to fire a shot, a warning shot that will divert uh, the the motor cage away from uh, the Texas School Book Depository, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. He knew that he was he he, he knew that he was gonna that he had to risk his life. But it was like he said, if I don't do it, they will kill Marina and my children. He had just he had two small ch- children, a newborn, two girls. And also they would kill Judith and everything he and himself as well. So he, 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 there was no way out for him. And by the way, Jack Ruby was involved in this project also. He was a close friend of the Oswalds, uh-huh. but when, and he was trying to stop as well. But he, Ruby, it's, it's just when you start to think about the, the way the whole, you know, all of the details of the situation, it becomes this extremely confusing morass of something that obviously makes sense uh, to someone and it worked because it, it got them what they wanted like the, the assassination of PFK but you just look at Lee, Lee Oswald and the fact that he got no time whatsoever to speak uh, to say anything to the press before he was shot by Jack Ruby and Jack Ruby you know I, I mean my impression is that Jack Ruby was uh, in some way mind controlled because uh, I mean there's been a suggestion I don't know if you've heard this but there's a suggestion that the trigger the kind of hypnotic trigger for Ruby to pull a gun out and shoot Oswald was the horn uh, that went off, a car horn that beeped, uh, that went off twice just before uh, Ruby shot Oswald. You know, I mean, if you watch that archive footage of... I totally know it, but, but that's not... The, the horns, I've, I've been in contact with the police officer that was in the area. The horns were there to warn... They first, there's one horn just when they get out of the elevator. Then there's another one. Boom, uh-huh. everybody on standby. And then when they turn the corner... The the car reverses towards them, uh-huh. making them stop so that Ruby could get, get uh, a free shot. You know, is so re- that that car is very much part of the uh, of the killing of, of Oswald. Yeah, that's what I mean, and uh, of Oswald. Yeah, but Jack Ruby then, um, you know, he he he's arrested and he gives a few interviews. He says some very cryptic uh, things afterwards in his interviews. Um, the few interviews he he, he gave. Uh, he talks, starts talking kind of crazy. He t- starts talking about Jews and Zionists, and then within a short period of time, he's dead from cancer. And this brings you back to kind of the cancer you're talking about. They, they used the exact thing that uh, that they had to come up with in the lab against right. people. He was killed in 29 days. He was injected with this. He, he smuggled out notes through his uh, jailer to his friends and family, saying, "I've been injected with cancer. Please, please get me out." But they kept him under an extra uh, a radio radiology machine for almost an hour after this injection. So he was dead meat there, and he knew it. He knew it. The whole thing is just it just I don't know. Once you go into that, it's like a spider's web, and it's just you know that it's all happening. You can see the evidence, but it's just it boggles your mind, or it, it blows your mind to a certain extent that there are people who would be doing this kind of thing. You know. Um, but in that case, in that case, I must say you're naive, because right. my God, when you get into this world, it is, it is unreal the level of of evil and the level of, of. Yeah, but the, that's, that's what I'm saying. That when you get into it, it just yeah. it boggles your mind. It's amazing, yeah. 
and it's really hard to figure out that these people would. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that they don't do that. Do what they're doing. It's the evidence is there that they are doing this, but mm. just that such people would exist, and that they would be so engaged in these kind of things, like developing cancer, injecting people with cancer, enhancing cancer with radiology. It's just. It's. Uh, it's mind blowing, but it's there as pretty hard hard fact. You know, it's it's the most plausible conclusion. I totally agree with you. I tell you. One thing that I've always had problems with is understanding the mindset behind things like the so-called New World Order and Agenda 21 and this whole thing where you just think, oh my, it's a totally mad mind behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. I don't, do not get it at all. And then I was on an interview with uh, Winnie Eastwood uh, and we were talking about this thing and he said, but the only reason you don't get it is because you're not a psychopathic killer. Right. If you were, this would make total sense to you. Right. That, and that does seem to uh, be a very good explanation for how and why these people do this, uh, because the idea of uh, psychopaths is effectively that they have, you know, they they don't feel any empathy. Uh, mm. Essentially, they have no feeling for. I mean, they look at other people as uh, just as as nothing really as a piece of meat and they have no self-doubt they can just go ahead if they see that someone needs to die for them to get what they want they do it as easy as you know kind of uh, you know picking up and you know I don't know picking up a piece of food and mm-hmm. eating it, it, it it's that simple simple to those people and that's why ordinary people as you were just saying uh, who look at this kind of uh, don't believe any of it mm-hmm. because they can't believe that such kind of creatures exist that are so effectively not human are missing the thing that makes the rest of us human it's business as usual nothing personal yeah. you know that's that's the way they say it but i know chip tatum he's uh, he's been involved in different false flag operations and many many meetings and, and assassinations and so on and he say they have staff meetings you know like very ordinary meetings like this and this and they go through when it comes to false flags, for instance, okay, what is the effect we're looking for? What is it? What is needed? How are we going to set the whole thing up? Okay, this, this, this. We need to take these people out. Uh, no, 20 isn't enough. We need to amplify the effect, put in some children and women, mm. make sure that they get hit, you know, get the, go for the daycare center or something like that because right. we need the emotional impact. And they well, just discussed like that. And then... They carry it out, boom, they see what happens, and they have uh, follow-up meetings right o- right after it has happened, checking, did we get the required uh, effect or do we need to amplify it? Mm-hmm. And this is often where you can see when there is such a thing as, if, if you take, for instance, the, the beheading in Woolwich, this um, absolute hoax, uh, so badly carried out, uh, but they didn't really get the effect they wanted, and boom, right away, within a few hours, there was an almost identical thing in Paris that took place there to get the required uh, effect, you know, uh-huh. on the public saying, "Oh my God," because that is the thing they they use this old old Roman te- uh, template called problem reaction solution. Uh-huh. Because yeah. when when you have elected yourself as the elite few, how do you control the masses? You can only do it through fear. Trauma. And yeah. an outer enemy. So they secretly create a problem. 
Mm-hmm. And the reaction they want from us is that we do not use the brain that we God equipped us with, but that we go emotional. We mm-hmm. go, oh my God, oh my God, something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And then we turn towards the people that we have no idea are the ones that are actually behind the problem, saying, please help us, help mm-hmm. us. And then they say, well, the only way we can help you is, and boom, in they roll the solution. Mm-hmm. And the solution every single time is something we would never, ever have accepted had it not been for the problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you mentioned there, you know, them having to up the the emotional factor of these kind of attacks that they carry out. Um, the immediate one I think of is Sandy Hook, you know, where you had, you know, 22 uh, or 20 school children, you know, little three-year-olds basically and someone goes in and, and, and murders them and we, we've done a show on that and it's pretty clear that this guy Adam Lanza was just like a, an Oswald or even less a, a real patsy um, but some other adult working for some section of the US government if you want to call it that went in there and without a second thought slaughtered 23-year-olds and I mean that really boggles people's mind but that's I mean getting back to what we um I don't know if we said this in the actual show, but um, there's hard data from, for example, Northern Ireland uh, in the mid-70s after a series of uh, kind of tit-for-tat shootings between um, Catholics, supposedly between the IRA and loyalist paramilitaries, but that was all being effectively organized by British intelligence. Mm. There's there's official uh, documents showing that uh, to up the ante after the, the last killing, uh, which was supposedly by the IRA, but it was actually by uh, uh, an MI5 informant uh, mm. or agent within the IRA, c- killed a bunch of uh, Protestant workmen. MI5 decided that for the retaliation against that, they were thinking about going into a primary school and killing you know, 20 or 30 children. Now, this is kind of pretty much official that that British intelligence were tabling this as a good mm. idea. Uh so it it shouldn't be surprising to people when we say Sandy Hook wasn't, uh, you know, what they said it was. It was done by, effectively, your government. But it's just too horrific for people to, to even conceive of. But, and one of the things with these false flag operations are a drill. It's a mm-hmm. drill, a drill, a drill, that then uh, the reason... Exactly. The reason why they have this drill is to be able to get vehicles in position, explosives, uh, actors, back personnel, you know, all of these things, and also sometimes lure the patsy in a position where he can then be uh, killed or blamed and uh, thank you and goodbye. Because if the lone crazy guy is killed, that ends it. You know, no investigation is needed. Thank you very much, folks. Goodbye and go home. The reason why they always want him alone and crazy is because if he's alone, then by law, there's no uh, thing. It's not what is called a conspiracy. Uh And then there's no need to investigate it as if there was a criminal thought behind it. And the reason why they want him crazy is because then there's no motive. He was just crazy. He did it. So that also takes away the whole reason to look into this. Yeah. Ole, what's your take on ISIS and <clears throat> that whole thing uh, that's going on at the minute? It has been going on for a year. ISIS is a total upgrade of, of Al-Qaeda, and Al-Qaeda itself was a creation by the Mossad and the CIA. Totally mm-hmm. inside job, funded to create mayhem. Right. So it is, it, 
It is there, and it's there to create fear. That's the whole thing to freak us out so that we will accept the new world order, a total world army, not there to protect us, to control us. And when you say new world order, new world order, what do you? Uh, how how would you? That's a phrase that's used a lot by different people, but. It's what been, is this new world order that we're going into, or are we, are, are we already in it? We're very close to it. They're moving forward very fast. So thank God for programs like this, you know, because uh, you will never hear these things in main media because that is so controlled at this point. Mm. The, the new world order is something that has been, um, this so-called power elite have been trying to centralize the power to fewer and fewer and fewer over actually hundreds of years. And maybe even more, but uh, the New World Order was first presented by George Bush Sr. on 9-11, 1991, exactly on the date before 9-11, 2001. And the New World Order, the idea is that uh, an elite few will control the rest of us. They will do it with a one-world army, uh, they will dissolve NATO and the UN troops and get it, uh, join it together uh, into a world army. This is what they're trying to do now. Uh, they want a one-world currency, digital. The reason why they want it digital is because now when you have notes and, and coins, if you're somewhere and you try to buy something with your credit card and suddenly it doesn't work, now you have notes and coins saying, listen, I'll pay like this instead. But once that's gone, which it is in Sweden. It's almost gone now. Banks don't use money. Uh, you, you can't use normal money anywhere almost. And Denmark is getting to that as well. Uh, once normal money is gone, then the one controlling the chip in your credit card or in the chip that you've been injected with or whatever it is totally controls your life because they can just turn you off or turn you on, totally depending on what they want. Mm. Also, there's no no chance for black money or anything. They are in control. They want a one-world uh, chipped population so that uh, everything can be monitored, where your every single little move, uh, and they want to... Very sorry to say, but they want to depopulate the world with at least two-thirds of us, uh, not themselves, of course, but they want a lot of us not here. And it just goes on and on like that. Agenda 21, which is a, 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 a plan that has been um, accepted by many, many countries. If you look into that, there, I think there's on YouTube, there's Agenda 21 for dummies and so on, if you don't want to spend too long looking into it. That shows you the Orwellian state that they're trying to a totally... I mean, totally scary place for us to be where we're totally controlled. I mean, to an extent that you cannot even, you, you have no idea of how dark it is, controlled by this little few uh, people in this so-called elite that have chosen themselves to be the ones choosing between life and death for the rest of us. Hmm. And so it's, uh, I think it's extremely important to become aware of what is going on because Otherwise, you will look upon the world today thinking, oh my God, it's totally crazy. The financial situation is totally off the, gone off the hook. But just just that, that's, that topic about health, because that, okay. seems to be, that, that seems to be 
pretty much um, endemic over the over the globe. Not well, um, even in more mundane ways, because uh, when you when you mess with someone's health, that mm. it it basically creates a weak population, and if they're not functioning at the the total the their optimal levels, they're easier to control. And uh, one of the topics that we've been focusing a lot on is even just people's regular diets. And oh, it's awful. It's, it's it's totally awful. And and not only that, you've got the so you've got the big agri industry, and uh, I mean the the foods that they that you can buy in the stores and that people are eating are totally wrong for their health. And it's yeah, mm-hmm. that I think that's well from what we've been researching what we found out that's pretty much the the number one cause of disease is the foods that we're eating but not only that we've got just regular toxicity from uh, from pollutants and just the the chemicals and products put into everyday um, products that we've got in our house and in our houses and then there's the big pharma and so that all the drugs that we take it's this vicious circle where you uh, destroy a person's health and then put them on drugs that are supposed to help their health, which actually makes them more sick. And it just creates this population dependent on drugs that's unable to think and it's unable to function to any degree that they'll be able to see something. Now, it's, uh, it's I want, done by design. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. done by design. Yeah. And um, I wanted to go back to something that you'd said earlier um, about uh, that I liked about how you don't necessarily like calling them the elite, but rather the minority. And Joe and you had brought up the topic of psychopaths. And um, there's a book written by uh, Andrew Lobachevsky called Political Ponderology that kind of really gets into the topic of psychopathy and politics. And that's that's pretty much his his view of things, is that psychopaths actually make up a minority of the population, but under certain conditions are the ones that that take over. Um, populations and governments, and that the only hope that we have from act, for actually getting into, um, well, to actually counter any of this is to be aware of that, that they are psychopaths and what the nature of psychopathy is. And so you mentioned earlier that your friend had pointed out to you, um, you know, well, well you, you don't think like a psychopathic killer. So I'm just wondering if you've looked in at all um, into the nature of psychopathy or or political ponderology, for that matter. I have, and uh, the thing is, we need to be responsible for what we are doing and how we are acting. And I would say, when you see somebody pulling the same stunt again and 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 again, using the exact same template again and again, and we're still buying it. I mean, what does that say about us? I mean, how asleep can you be? How much evidence is needed before people react? And in these situations, this is where people who are psychopaths step forward and take over because we're just like running around, absolute brain dead. I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm involving myself as well earlier on. You know, totally brain dead, letting them get away with this again and again and again. This is why, I mean, why are they treating us without respect? Because we do not really deserve it, I think. You know, so we have handed over our, our power, our personal power, the power of our lives into the hands of absolute mad people. So we need to wake up to that fact and take it back, not violently, but 
by exposing what is going on, by exposing the truth. This is why my website is called Light on Conspiracies. Go into the darkest of the dark corner and aim the light, and the truth shall set you free, as it so beautifully said. This is the way you, you de defuse them. Do you know, it's like when you see, it really is like um, uh, the Wizard of Oz, you know, mm -hmm. when, when this uh, Dorothy, this little lady, this little girl who just everything she wants is for everything to go back into balance and harmony the way it used to be. And they say you need to face the Wizard of Oz, this awful, scary, powerful Wizard of Oz. She goes there, she, she faces her fears instead of the rest of us being too fearful. She's the one doing it. When she comes there, there's this awful voice screaming, I'm powerful and you're weak, you're weak, you know, which is what media is pumping at us now. Yeah. But what she finds out is she sees this power cord going behind a curtain and she goes up, pulls the curtain, and what does she see? A little old guy sitting hiding there in the dark with a microphone and a massive big amplifier. Mm. That is the elite. These are old guys, most of them. They have no clue. Their talent is manipulation, lying, cowardness, these type of, that is their assets, you know. Mm -hmm. But but this is, they have the biggest propaganda machine this world has ever seen pumping out this into our houses through this, especially through this black box that we have in front of us so many hours per day, where they're just pumping out this fear-mongering pornography crap into our homes, totally making us feel powerless, taking away the power from us. Mm -hmm. Where I say, there's this magic button on the remote and it says off. You know, that it's a very powerful button because mm -hmm. it is like you have an open sewage canal coming into your home that is being used by design, by very, very advanced techniques to manipulate your mind into, uh, what do you call it, sub subsidiant, no, subs I don't know what that, subservience, yeah, and just eat another slice of pizza, GMOs and all of that crap, have another, another drink with fluorine water and all these kids so you won't be able to think. And then look at X Factor a second time that, the same evening. Mm -hmm. you know, that is the way to keep you in control. And I think it's really important what you said about food. Also, the quality of food is being totally... I mean, there's no quality to food nowadays. Even fruits and veggies, it's being so manipulated. So what we, what we stuff into us one of the things that happens is that you cannot have long, consistent thoughts getting to conclusions. Most people's uh, uh, span for, for being able to concentrate and focus is very short nowadays. It's like this, 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 I need new, and something new, 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 new. You cannot sit down and really dig into things and also uncover things. And once again, this is done by design. Yeah, very true. There's just one other topic that, um, well, there's a lot of topics that we haven't covered. I was just going to say <laughs> just one. <laughs> one other major topic that I don't know even know if it figures into um, into your research and investigations, but it's the topic of uh, UFOs. 
that is an area I have absolutely no idea about. I chose on a, on an early stage to avoid that one, just to uh, not lose credibility, mm. because there are certain areas where I mean I've been called a tinfoil hat for many years yeah. anyway. So I needed to to choose an area where I was passionate about. I focused on serial killers, on assassins, on false flags, that area. And then the rest, you know, if people ask me about reptilians or these, I, I don't even want to go there. Mm. I, ha- I have no idea. Mm. And UFOs, I know very little about. So it's better you ask someone else. Yeah. No, the only reason I asked is because it does seem to have a, just at first glance, it does seem to have a link into the kind of power structure uh, in this world. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, totally. here, I'm thinking so? here of Richard Dolan's book where he's actually presented hard military documents, hard evidence. Uh, to show that uh, the, the U.S. government at certain periods uh, during the last century um, knew about them, were very interested in them, and um, I was just, it's an interesting question as to how they play in, because they do obviously factor into the thinking of these kind of, uh, this so-called elite. They're on their radar, and the question of what they know about them is a, is a big one, I suppose, you know. I totally agree, but once again, I don't know about this. What I do know is that if you see how society has suddenly come across technology overnight, it seems like, you know, like lasers and, and these type of things, just overnight, boom, it just went like, whoa, and yeah. it just totally revolutionized society. It didn't come slowly or step by step. It just, boom, that's it. And there's a lot of people, uh, investigators, who are saying that these type of things are uh, a function of technology of that yeah. has been... Yeah, they've shot down a UFO and, yeah. and just stole it. I mean, that's totally their, the their way of doing things. Kill it and use it. Yeah, the other the other association that uh, has come to my mind is uh, when looking at the the crimes of this so-called elite uh, and the way that they effectively prey on human beings. It kind of it often reminds me of um, the, the books that I've uh, read on kind of UFO abduction stories and stuff. The way that uh, so-called abductees uh, are kind of, kind of more or less treated like cattle to a certain extent, uh, at least in the literature, uh, by these UFO occupants, and you know, largely kind of tortured and and uh, as if, almost as if the occupants of UFOs are, you know, have the same kind of proclivities in terms of their enjoyment of uh, torturing and uh, manipulating human beings, you know, as the as the so-called elite. It's, it's when you look at who, what type of mindset would destroy the air, destroy our waters with radioactivity and pollution, would destroy our, our groundwater, would destroy our plants with all these uh, aluminum and things, weakening it out. Uh, you know, what type of person would destroy the world like they're yeah. doing, playing and around with the weather? And kill what, millions what? of people. And kill millions of people with no, with no hesitation, starting all of these wars. I it's mean, it's almost like the extraterrestrials. That <laughs> they're the aliens, right? Effectively. The, 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 I mean, that that is why I, I, since I don't know it, I don't close my my mind to that this might be a possibility. Well, I know for sure that the people in the, the behind these agendas are. Uh, equipped with a different brain than mine because in my world it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, I mean there's someone I know who's uh, said a, a very short and succinct uh, thing about that in, 
and it's uh, who needs aliens when you've got psychopaths in power, you know? <laughs> but do you know the word government, what that means? It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, I think it's Latin. Yes, Latin. It's called, it's uh, governmente, controlled the mind, mind control. Mm. There it is right in front of you. They, they don't even hide it. Yeah. And then people say, what can, what, who are we, who are we going to elect? And, uh, you know, do you go to the liberals or Democrats or this? In the government, in the mind control, it's right there in front of you. Mm. And I really think, this is a time to take back the power, you know, not give it away, but in a totally non-violent way, bring it back home by not letting yourself be manipulated anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we can't uh, can't agree with you anymore on that one. But listen, we're gonna we're gonna end here. Um, but I just want to say thanks a million for coming on to talk to us and for all of your work and research over the years. You've obviously done a lot of it and put a lot of time and effort into it, and it's your it's probably your whole life at this point and. Uh, it's uh, a lot of the stuff you say is is very true, I think, and very valuable. You know, I, um, what can I say? I, I really, I'm not, you know, I'm not being paid for this. I'm not part of a group. I'm not. Uh, I have no personal gain really, except for doing my absolute utmost to to create a beautiful world for our kids and ourselves, and and stop this madness. Because it, if we don't, we're screwed. I tell you. Absolutely. But. But I, I am not one here to spread fear or anything like that. I know that the topics we're talking about might seem very scary. I must say, though, in my heart, I'm a super optimist. And I feel that 2015, this is the year when major changes for the better is going to happen. Mm. It might look very, very scary. But a lo- I've been saying this for a long time. And my God, so many things have been happening this this year. And, uh, well, you know, I mean, I, you know what I think about that. I think that um, changes for the better uh, can come, but when I look at humanity, I think that they need a big shock because a change for the better would be a lot of people waking up. And if a big shock came along of some type where that opened people's eyes, then that would be a change for the better. Do you know life has this habit of uh, giving you a gentle little uh, clap on the t- on the cheek, saying "wakey, wakey." If you don't listen, it will be a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. If you don't listen, it will be a little bit harder. And now we are at a sledgehammer mm-hmm. situation. Yes, yeah? yeah, we 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 have to be responsible for being totally asleep and brain dead. I would say to a certain extent. And here we are looking right into a barrel, or or getting a sledgehammer, you know, up our butt. Yeah. It is wake-up time, really. It is a wake-up time. Absolutely. And, and I think that, uh, that the way to, if you don't know anything else to do, then start doing good. You know, mm-hmm. Do random acts of kindness. Help people around you. Help your neighborhood. Uh, look for uh, occasions to help people. Support uh, honest cops. You know, honor them because they're there to help you. Instead of hating the cops that are not behaving good, honor the ones that are and boost them so that other people in uniform that might be afraid of becoming a good one because they see that there's no future for that, they might be uh, heart, yeah. Yeah, inspired, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and also try to affect people or, or wake up people in uniform because these are a major threat to us because it is 
you, if I speak directly to whoever listens who is in a uniform, you are the one protecting this mad mindset from normal people like ourselves. You think that you're doing the right thing. You think that you're there to, for if you're a soldier, for freedom and liberty and, and all of this and liberating countries. It is absolute bullshit. You are being used as brutal tools of death, death and destruction to invade, rape and plunder totally innocent countries killing totally innocent people in the name of absolute greed that is not even yours, but this small group of totally mad so-called elite. It's, it is a horrible... But the thing is that whatever awful deed you do, you are the one who has to live with it. It is your karma that is being affected. And this is why we're seeing so many tragic suicides from veterans in the States. I mean, I think it's... Mm-hmm. 11 per day or something like mm-hmm. that, more than killed in action because of all of these things. And police officers that, that sign up and think they're doing good things or, or security people or people manufacturing surveillance cameras and, or doing plumbing in FEMA camps or whatever, I think everyone needs to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing? Am I doing anything in any way to support this horrible agenda that is destroying the world for the for the all of us, and if so, what can I do to stop it? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, they're absolutely. very very important. Very wise words. If could could I read a, um, a a lyric to a song I wrote in 1994? I think yeah. would that be okay? Absolutely. Because I think it's it's still very it's still very much uh, um, up to date. Yes. And it's, uh, it's called From Prison to Paradise. Once upon a time in a place not far from here, there was so much loneliness, despair, and oh, so much fear. Darkness ruled all over the land. There were lightning in the sky, causing wars and separation with no one knowing why. These evil times raised leaders disguised as kind and true, hiding the truth and misty fog so only very few people knew. Controlled by an elite few, manipulating you and me, closing out the light and power that can make us all be free. Wake up, wake up, we gotta wake up. Wake up, wake up, we gotta wake up now. Forced by invisible powers, demanded to conform into shapes unknown to mankind, making him totally abnormal. Drowned in debts and sorrows, blaming others for their lot, made man believe to be inferior, feeling tiny like a dot. But then came time of change, covering countries and their towns. Few became many, and soon the prison walls came down. Starting with the men in the mirror, staring right back into their eyes, understanding that this was a chance to stop those hideous lies. Unhappiness is merely an illusion of misery, based on brainwash and a misconception of true reality. From now on, let's build bridges between our souls and hearts, so we together can rejoice when the final change comes to its start. Wake up, wake up, we gotta wake up. Wake up, wake up, we gotta wake up now. Turning prison into paradise may seem too much to achieve, but believe me, it only takes one strong spirit to be free. The true power of a pyramid is never ever at the top. Instead, it's we the people that can make this global game stop. Did you get it? Wake up, wake up, we gotta wake up now 
Very good. There's there's a, uh, music to that as well, obviously, yeah? There is. You can go to my website, and on my website there's a music link, and you can listen to all the songs I made. I made for a peace festival in Berlin 2009 as well. You can download them. And, Excellent. And so, so I'm going to check that out, actually. I, I like the, those lyrics. Um, Thank you so much. It's, yeah, it's excellent. Ole, uh, again, thanks a million for um, for for being on. Uh, it's been great talking to you, and um, I hope you continue to do what you're doing uh, for, well, I'll not say for many years, but for as long as it's necessary. Um, so, yeah, thanks a million. Uh, I tell you, I would so like to stop this, you know. I would <laughs> so like to transcend this whole thing. I mean, it's 30 years of my le- life. I mean, come on. How much evidence is needed, yeah. really? Wow. And I just want to have a cold beer on the other side and celebrate with you guys and mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy life, which yeah. I am, because I'm also meeting extremely wonderful people on this road. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say I'm I'm on my way now. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm not paid by anyone. I'm totally on my own, not part of a group, not political, no mm-hmm. nothing. But uh, I've, uh, I've arranged another tour. I'm going to Scandinavia now. I'm, in a few weeks, I'm going to be at the Open Mind Conference in Copenhagen. Then I'm going to go to Malmö, Gothenburg, Stockholm, doing talks there. And then in Stockholm, I'm going to do a guided tour around the site of the motor site of the prime, Swedish Prime Minister Ola Palme. Mm-hmm. It's like between four and seven hours where I take people around telling them exactly what witnesses saw, what actually happened there. It is mind-blowing, I tell you, if you didn't know it, to be on site and then when you start to see the magnitude of actually what happened. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to go to Norway, to Oslo. I'm going to do two talks there about the mass shootings on the uh, on the island of Utøya and the blowing up of the government building, I was—I've uh, been warned to go there. I was almost arrested by one of the uh, the Delta team in Norway that was part of carrying this whole thing out. And because of that, I'm going to do two talks there uh, about that exact uh, topic because I think it's extremely important to get the truth out about yeah. that as well. And then I'm exposed. It. It's tra- it's so traumatic these things. You know, so many. Families, so many people suffering from these awful things, and it's only by getting the truth out, getting closer to these things, that we can heal it. You know, we all need to heal. You know, if they don't heal, it will just continue. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the solution is not to kill them or string them up or chop them up and use them on top of a pizza. That is not the solution. You know. Yeah, if you were to use them on top of a pizza, the, that would be genetic mo- genetically modified. Because I'm sure these people are genetically modified in some way. <laughs> if they're human at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alien and, chop chop. Yeah. Anyway, listen. It, uh, again, thanks a million. And uh, people can check out your website. It's lightonconspiracies.com. They can probably find out all the information they need about what's going on with you uh, on there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And anytime you want me back, just uh, or anyone wants me anywhere yeah. in the world, just make it possible financially. I'll be right there. Okay. All right. Thanks a million, Ole. You have a have a good evening. Great you talking too. to you. Bye bye. All right. Thank thanks you so much. Bye bye. Take care, guys. You too. Bye bye. All right. We're gonna leave it there for this week, folks. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to our chatters and thanks to Ole. And we will be back next week with another behind the headline show on the Stop Radio Network. We hope you'll tune in. Until then, have a good one.